Welcome to the Awakening Project podcast. We are a community of emerging adults, college students, and pastors who are passionately pursuing an awakening move of God in our generation. Thanks so much for listening in today. Our hope is that God would capture you with his vision for our world and for your life. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Awakening Project podcast, which is uh, going to be a conversation which we hope will provide some good background on what Awakening Project is, kind of how it came to be and what we hope it can become. And in the conversation are some folks that were a part of the design of Awakening Project. Not everybody. We've got lots of folks who contributed and really... um, helped us to think it through and and put things together. But we have Austin and Maddie Wofford. Um, They have co-led the founding of a network of house churches in Lexington, Kentucky called Arise Church. We're so glad to have them here. Hey, everybody. What's up? Good to have you. We also have Jess Avery, who was the director of Awakening Project, and she's going to be in our conversation. Hi, friends. And I'm David Thomas. I'm senior advisor to New Room and really delighted to be uh, with you in this conversation. And really just to start, we kind of like to think about those two words, Awakening Project, and uh, what we mean by that and what we hope uh, we can continue to journey into as a part of what that is. And so let's start with just thinking about that word awakening. And you all just chime in here and I'll help us get started. But when I, you know, awakening really is, it's a word of honesty. Because when we talk about awakening, we're acknowledging something. We're just honest to observe that the world we live in and that Jesus died to save is on a deterioration trajectory Mm -hmm. that is beyond human remedy. We wish we could fix it. But we've come to be convinced that all our best ideas and all our hardest work are just not enough. They never were enough, but now it's unavoidable that we have to admit it unless God does something. We're desperate for God to do something. And in history, those movements where lives have been changed in a kind of a profound, broad way and culture really transformed as a result. History is called those awakening movements. And we're honest to admit that's what we have got to have. We are unwilling to wait for the world to get any worse before we just start framing our reality and organizing ourselves in relationship to just chase after that. And that really actually just means praying after that. Mm-hmm. And so um, let me ask you all, just chime in on anything else you'd want to say about awakening. What does that mean to us? Yeah, you know, talking about awakening and helping to create vision for what awakening would look like, I've often thought about it like this, like awakening is a move of God that happens so deep in the hearts of men and women on such a mass scale that the entire culture of an entire region shifts to look more like the kingdom of heaven. And oftentimes awakenings and revivals come on the end of a time of cultural deterioration or in times of societal shift and change. And it's often when the church reaches a point of desperation um, Mm -hmm. and a realization that only a move of God can change their culture. Only a move of God can change their position or their posture within a culture of society. And we've seen God do this throughout church history. We see awakenings happening all over the global south today. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's when God responds to the desperate need of his people, when he responds to the heart cry of the church for, um, for a movement of the Holy Spirit, that, that, uh, that he will often respond by so deeply affecting the hearts of men and women on such a mass scale that the entire culture of a region shifts to look more like the kingdom of heaven. So hearts change, regions change, culture changes, and um, societies end up looking more like the kingdom that Jesus talked about and preached about. Yeah. Anybody else want to add to that? That was really good. 
Amen. Yeah. <laughs> I would just say uh, that, you know, this is a big, bold, audacious banner to put over our lives and over what this this project. But the the bottom line is, uh, we have a great evidence, you know, great witness of Scripture that it's possible, mm-hmm. and it's happened too many times in history for us to believe that it's not possible again for us. Mm-hmm. And if it's happened before, well, then why can't it happen again? And then why not us? And why not now? Why not That's among right. us? And we we're just um, believing that it can happen, yeah. and uh, it's happening around the world in places, and so. Uh, we want to just orient ourselves toward that. And when awakening happens, it basically, it results in deep wholeness in people, the renewal of the church, the evangelization of a generation, and the transformation of society. And we believe that is worthy of our lives. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh, and then let's talk about project. Why would we call awakening project that? Why the word project? Jess, you help us on that one. You're good on that. Yeah, so we like the word project because project has the element of actually getting your hands in something and um, inviting it into your life. It has an element of experimentation of where we can really, um, in Awakening Project, we actually say, what does it look like uh, in my context, where I am in my life, where I can put my hands on it to pursue awakening and to go after awakening? What would awakening look like in my friend group, on my campus, in my church, in my city, um, and so the project element really has to do with the experiential, mm-hmm. the experimental, um, and the hands-on element that we're pursuing around how we, how we go after awakening. Yeah, that's really good. Anybody else want to comment on that? I think you said it. That's perfect. Now, so Awakening Project has uh, had a real focus, an urgency around um, the, uh, the role of emerging adults this emerging generation of young leaders. We want to think just for a second about why that matters, uh, why that important convergence or intersection between awakening and uh, people who are just entering into their adulthood. Austin, could you kind of help us make a start on that? And then we'll kind of talk around that some. Yeah, when we think about emerging adults, like people kind of 18 to 30 years old or in that time frame. Um, we find find that this is really a time of life where people can be intersected mm-hmm. and changes can be made for how they set the foundation into their adulthood. So like emerging adulthood, it's full of transition. It's full of an encountering new ideas, new ideologies, new cultures, new places, new people. Mm-hmm. Um you know, you see some wild statistics out there about how much and how often people change jobs, even careers in their 20s. They change friend groups and cities. You think about things like colleges and internships and mm-hmm. all of the change and transition that happens, um, that the people's life patterns are not fully set. Their beliefs and ideologies are not fully developed now really throughout your 20s. And so it's become somewhat of a cultural battleground for the hearts, the minds, the worldviews, the ideologies of, um, of, of people today. It's 18 to 30 is just this pivotal place. And you know the most concentrated uh, group of emerging adults are going to be found on college campuses. Mm-hmm. And so you see that as the college campus goes, so the society goes. And so often throughout the history of especially America, the college campus has become the initial spark for revival or awakening. And I think we see this today that what people are indoctrinated into on the college campus, what they're taught and what they take in becomes what they tend to believe and that it actually is shifting the course of our uh, culture. And so some of the awakening projects focus on emerging adults has really taken to the college campus because we believe that it is just so pivotal to reach uh, students um, at this uh, at these cultural epicenters and really if you think about Paul's Paul's ministry Paul was always uh, going or often thought to go to the cities that influence the a wider region you know if you think about Corinth or Philippi 
or Athens or Rome, these uh, cities that if you could make disciples and if you could plant churches in these places, then you have the chance to export disciples and uh, the kingdom all across the region. So emerging adults, pivotal time of life to intersect people with the truth about Jesus and then also the college campus especially. Mm -hmm. If we want to influence our culture into this next generation and these next 30 to 50 years of uh, American history, especially as we think about it, then the college campus is the place to be. Yeah, thank you. That's good, Austin. Anybody want to add to that? Any comment on just the central, the importance, crucial importance of this, of, of this season of life in emerging adults? Yeah, I'd add just a little bit of um, the significance of the future of the church and investing in young people. If we look at the statistics, our churches are aging, and fewer and fewer of our young people are engaged in the life of the church, are engaged in a life of faith, and particularly the pastorate. The pastorate, there's big studies out there about the graying of the pastorate, and that there are fewer and fewer people who are um, giving their lives in vocational ministry, and that's not the only indicator of um, of a move of God, but certainly where God moves, people respond, and many people respond with their whole lives vocationally. So we're seeing fewer and fewer people um, saying yes to Jesus on a whole and saying yes to a life of ministry. Um, and young people in the church are important for the vitality of the church. People need to serve. People need to be formed and shaped. And uh, the culture now is so different from when, um, you know, even... Gen X and up were growing up. These students live in a very different culture where Christians are not the predominant culture. Mm-hmm. Our, our, our young people really are living very counterculturally if they're trying to follow Jesus when they're on a college campus and when they're in a high school and when they're just figuring out how to put their lives together in their 20s. And the things that they value are just super different from what the culture would say is important. And so providing um, some formation and some space and some vision for life for 20-somethings is really important because they don't have a ton of examples around in their generation of what that looks like. Austin, you want to just add briefly onto that the Pine Tups uh, research, the the great opportunity. I think that it's just been kind of important as we've thought about all of this. Is just the realities of our current moment. Yeah, the the Pine Tops Foundation recently did a massive and major study. There's really a collection of studies that they. Uh, collected the research and projected the future of the American church numbers wise. So um, the great opportunity was the study that they produced that kind of projects or foretells that the church is on track here in America to lose roughly a million people out of the millennial and Gen Z generation every year from now until 2050. So we're looking at if current trends continue to have lost 20 to 40 million emerging adults out of the church, and that will radically change the entire landscape of Christianity uh, in our nation. Um, And so, I mean, the the study really highlights and brings to definition what we feel and what we sense to be true uh, within the church today. Um, And I recently came across a quote from Pope uh, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, Uh, where he recently said that there's a spiritual crisis overtaking the West that's the most serious since the fall of the Roman Empire in the 5th century. He says the light of Christianity is flickering out all over the Western Hemisphere and that there are people alive today who may live to see the death of Christianity in the West. And so church leaders feel the deterioration of the church. Uh, We feel and we sense that young people, emerging generations are leaving and even some of our most important global church leaders are predicting that in some of our lifetimes we may see Christianity extinct in Mm. in the West, largely because we're losing emerging generations. Yeah, yeah, I will just say, you know, I'm, I'm approaching 60 and I feel an urgency to literally pour my life out into emerging leaders. Mm-hmm. I, I feel an, a, a calling and a just dis, intense desire to invest as deeply. This is the all-out moment. This is the bet the farm, all you got kind of moment. Uh, 
to pour into this generation. And the statistics bear it out. Um, and I would just add, and then we'll leave this, why this matters, why emerging adults. Um, but I will just add quickly just the, the example of history. Had it not been for this age group, the great awakenings that have actually generated so much of what we lean on and, and treasure about Christianity as a movement today, uh, wouldn't have happened. The, it, these so many examples. The Second Great Awakening was sparked at Cambridge, led by a young man in his late twenties, Barton Stone. The kind of the ex, the key example of the spirituality of the First Great Awakening was David Brainerd, a guy just barely barely out of college. The whole ethos and core valuing of and forming of the, of the vision of the Methodist revival in 18th century England formed on a college campus among young college students. Um, the biggest surge of missionary engagement in history came out of the student volunteer movement that was an expression of the Second Great Awakening. There was a huge spark of that on Williams College campus, the Haystack Revival, and I could go on and on and on. We always say to college students, these are not merely years of preparation. They are years of origination. We look to you. Don't wait. We want to be wind in your sails. Mm -hmm. History calls you to it. So the facts, the past, the call of God, it all is bearing down on the value and importance of our investing. That's a, a big part of the heart behind Awakening Project. So we want to talk a little bit about how we go about this. Awakening Project is not merely an event. It, it does have that you know, aspect, but we want it and believe it to be so much more. But uh, we want to talk for a second about how we did begin to gather last in, in May of 21. And a lot of that was really rooted and grounded in the local church. And we believe very much in the importance of this convergence of awakening and the local church, emerging leaders, and the local church. And Maddie, I wonder if you could just sort of lay that out for us. Help us start to think about that. Absolutely. So Austin and I actually co-lead Arise Church in Lexington, Kentucky. Um, it's a decentralized house church network that meets uh, three times a week or three times a month in the home and once um, all together. We have an all gathering. And out of this local church plant, we're one year old, so very young, but in our first year took on this ambitious project. Yeah. And just because it was it was a reflection of our heart, our mission statement was to awaken the world to the reality of Jesus. We're a church that our roots are being planted deeply in the stream of awakening. And so our hearts and both Austin and I's experience came out of college ministry. And just as we gathered and, and these friendships um, of mentors and leaders who led the Awakening Project really came out of relationship. And just this vision for for a regional expression and networking of, of college students. And so it came out of, in origins, out of a local church and relationships regionally. So it really was both locally planted and regionally developed over years of, of friendship. And so I think this is really crucial because, you know, a lot of, we worked in parachurch, so there's nothing against, you know, parachurch work or anything, but something that's really unique about this project is that we hope that whether Awakening Project re-exists again in Lexington or a different city, um, state, region, country, like whatever this looks like in the future, we, we know that in its origins and in its future, it's going to be planted in the local church that we really believe that the big C church is the answer to the receive, the recipients of the spirit of God for awakening. You know, this isn't just going to be sent on a ministry effort or, or an organization, but on a people on the body of Christ. And so we just really believe that this, um, the longevity of awakening is sustained in the, in the local church and in, um, in, in a body of believers who are stewarding and hosting and discipling what God's sending. And so just the, the firm foundation and belief in local and regional um, is, is a unique partnership that the Awakening Project brings to the table. Yeah, that's so good. And so when we met in May of 21, we began in a local church worship gathering we concluded the week in a local church in Nashville. Mm -hmm. Along the way, we heard from pastors of local churches that have 
been uh, leading, awakening um, commitments and, and works in their communities. And all throughout the week, uh, we were expressive of this value of being deeply tethered, connected to mm-hmm. the local church. We believe yes. in it so much. And uh, that whole relational aspect was something that we sought to really cultivate intentionally right off the bat. And that was one way we really went about it. This was not just everybody pulling up a seat and taking notes from, a, a, you know, and not really, but no, digging into and engaging deeply in and forming friendships with one another. And I'm wondering, Jess, if you could talk a little bit about how that worked out and why we believed so much in the importance of friendship and awakening. Yes, I'm glad to talk about that. So awakening happens just on an individual basis. If we are not individually awakened, awakening does not happen. It's not a force that drops from heaven and hits mm-hmm. us. Um, it is our hearts being awakened to the love of God and our overwhelming response to that. And really the way that every human is most deeply shaped is through relationships. I mean, our relationships form us. And so we believe that relationships are really key in awakening uh, because awakened people around other awakened people, <laughs> um, just it helps it to spread. And one awakened, one person's awakening very often spills over to another. Yeah. One of the things I'm really fascinated by is sort of like spiritual lineage. And so I, I kind of think of it like a spiritual family tree. So how did the gospel come to you? And how have you been exposed to awakening? Who do you know who really is fully awake and fully alive in Jesus? And how do you trace um, how that kind of flowed from one person into you? And so the significance of relationships are huge because uh, we sort of have a way of passing on the very best things that God is doing um, in our midst to other people. And it also serves deeply to inspire us to see what the activity of God is in someone else's life and what the activity of God is in someone else's city. So we can get excited around that and and be formed by it. Um, And the the other thing I'd say about friendship is that, y'all, life is hard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And ministry can be really hard. And trying to live as a Christian in a hostile culture is really difficult. And the way that the grace of God to us is friendship. Um, people who will stand with us and cheer for us and believe in us and walk with us when things are really difficult. So friendship cannot be um, overstated, the significance. They, they say that we're all becoming, um, if we want to figure out who you're becoming, look at the five people closest to you. Mm-hmm. And th- we believe that about awakening. If we can get uh, this generation around awakened young leaders, we believe the whole generation will be awakened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just go on and say a little bit about the the value of the generations in friendship with one another. I know we had a big span of ages as we have gathered and, and entered into community together. You want to say a word about that? Sure, yeah. So in, in the room when we gathered together in May for this Awakening Project gathering, we had people in their teens, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s in one room. Uh, really talking about the most significant and deep parts of life. And that is hugely significant. It just doesn't happen that much um, in the church today. We tend to kind of break down over age age ranges, but there's such a there's such a richness in people who have walked with Jesus for a long time. Uh, to be able to learn and to grow in that way and to celebrate what God has done. And then young people, I think the the nature of awakening, if a person is awakened, they want to give away what God has done. There's just a deep, deep, deep desire uh, for other people to experience awakening, for other people to experience the fullness of God. And so giving older people who have had years of ministry and pursuing this and encountering God in profound ways and seeing him move an opportunity to, to sort of give away and sow into the next generation what God has done in them is a huge blessing to the giver, to the older person who gets to um, do that with their lives. Um, a person who burns with a passion for awakening is just desperate uh, for someone to give it to. So that was a really significant part of what we did. And it was really neat for the, I was, I was, I was surprised how excited the young adults were about being with older people. They would say, oh man, this is like being with my family. This is like being with my grandpa. 
And part of the vision that we had, we, we said that we wanted the week to feel like an extended family vacation where you kind of go away uh, for mm-hmm. for a week with your with your cousins and grandparents and aunts and uncles and great aunts and uncles. And there's babies around and old people and everything in between, um, because we really we really do believe that church is meant to be like family. And so you need the generations there to express that we're missing something if we only have um, a partial expression of you know, human existence. <laughs> we need all true. these generations. That's yeah. good. Exactly. Now, another aspect of what we were committed to and always will be with Awakening Project is the role of worship and prayer. And Maddie, I'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit about that, how we prayed together, mm-hmm. why that is so central, so mm-hmm. crucial to our awakening hopes, um, and how we went about you know, worship and, and engaging uh, the presence of God, knowing his presence. You want to say a word mm-hmm. about that? Yeah. I mean, the entire week was present central, you know, yeah. present central. It was just as we were gathering, everything was was surrounded. Um, like every way that we would structure things was around the presence of God. What What would God want to do in this moment if it was going to look like a sermon, we did that. If it was going to look like living history, which we'll talk about more, it was going to be that. Um, if it was going to be praying together in cars, it was going to look like that. And so it was just becoming, we, even as we were structuring what is Awakening Project in the pre-planning time, we talked so much about like sort of God's presence as we go mm-hmm. and just becoming aware of those moments when we're um, in transition, going to lunch or, you know, just these little moments and just being really aware of God's presence with us. So yes, it happened in formal ways, um, but it also happened in informal ways and just being um, very prayerful. There were so many times that I would look over and there were students and uh, leaders or mentors praying together just, you know, in the middle of a a break time. And so it really was, um, it was sort of the current underneath everything and it was also structured. And, Mm -hmm. And I mean, that really is how prayer has been to all of us and the importance of prayer. But one thing that I wanted to share um, that I just think is is something about our vision for Awakening is yeah. uh, this is co-opted from Alan Hood, who got to share with us at the Awakening Project, but it has just stuck in my heart for a long time now. Um, but he said the goal of revival is intimacy with the Trinity yeah. and just this idea that, um, you know, we revival isn't the end goal it's intimacy with the trinity and so as we're worshiping and as we're praying we're really creating we're creating space for them to be fascinated with god Mm -hmm. um, to be caught up in his beauty and his presence and to be transformed by his power by his his countenance and his reflection um, on our praise, on our worship, on our prayer. And I just think that space um, really was a space to become intimately connected with the Trinity. It was a space for us. We had tons of time in worship and, um, and, and even down moments to just be in God's presence. Um, it wasn't all just like, you know, lyrics, transition, next song. There was a lot of space to just be in, in encounter with God. Um, a lot of time to pray over each other. Um, it was it was an organic space, I guess, for the spirit to move. But the goal was intimacy with the Trinity, and that's that's who we are after. You know, we're not even as we talk about awakening. Awakening is the expression of God's people being awakened and fully intimate with their Creator, which is what we were yeah. created for. And so, I don't know. I just think even as we're talking about what prayer and worship looked like, it really wasn't. There was some structure to it, but a lot of it was organic and it was sort of the current under everything that we were about. Um, this group of people, if you're listening, you may may or may not know us, but we are prayer people. You know, yeah. this is what we're about. Um, it is central to our lives personally and individually, but also corporately, just how we express um, our desperation for God in prayer and travail. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's been huge. It can't be, it's understated right now. And me talking about it for two minutes, how much prayer and worship yeah. um, is central to this whole thing. It's just the very heart. Yeah. Yeah. And I appreciate that what you're saying there. We've talked sometimes about how awakening really is just coming into the fullness of life, mm-hmm. life in closeness mm-hmm. with the fullness of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it's in, you know, that it is just becoming so mm-hmm. alive, yeah. and um, we do experience that in His presence. Yeah. 
And uh, all these things we're talking about were not just like little programmatic elements of four mm-hmm. days together. Right. We believe this is how we want to just live life right. all the yeah. time, everywhere. Yes. On the campuses where people are listening to this, the live in, you know, we just want right. to, this is what we believe is really how we could live in such a yes. way that a whole new work of God could unfold. Mm-hmm. That like part of worship and prayer in the, in all of this has been, been, our personal hearts, but also these students who we know and then students beyond, you know, the ripple effects of students who God is becoming their pleasure. You know, God is becoming their everything. And out of that impulse of, of intimacy with him, he awakens and the awakening affects ripple. So it it really does come from that place of intimacy, um, that place of, of really becoming renewed in God and who he created you to be in his presence him filling you with your with his spirit and then sending you out on mission is awakening you know so really what we are doing in the element of worship and prayer it's it is programmatic it was structured in some sense but it also has gone so much further than that and our students who were with us in may um, we've already heard amazing stories of the ripple effects of prayer and, um, yeah. and worship in their communities. So, so good. Central. We also really did focus on some learning, and we believe learning is important to this. And this podcast series will include content that will unpack some of the learning. We're not going to talk a lot about that, except just to say that Awakening Project, we believe, is so fundamentally relational that we wanted to be able to talk with and engage our presenters so that there would be these times of teaching, but then we could sidebar or grab coffee or go on a walk or, or, or uh, you know, get some lunch together and follow up and chat through it and really uh, engage. And we, be- we believe very much in that, that... Emerging leaders are wanting to talk it out. It's more of a, of a two-way kind of learning. It's actually more around a table than from behind a lectern. And we were, we were committed to that. And like I said, we'll be sort of unfolding some of the content as we go along in this series. So please uh, stay with us and listen some more. But we also went about some, some living history experiences. We went to some places uh, that were sort of ground zero locations of awakening movements and moments. And Jess, I wonder if you want to say something about how we went about that. Sure. So conveniently, <laughs> all of us live in Lexington, and there are some places within spit and distance, as my people from Georgia would say, <laughs> of places where God has really poured out his spirit in history. And those places we were at uh, – Asbury University was Asbury College, which experienced a revival in 1970. We went to Cane Ridge, which is where the Second Great Awakening got its start. And we also went down to Nashville and spent some time with Kevin Queen there, who has studied up a lot on E.M. Bounds. On E.M. Bounds. <laughs> and he shared a bunch of the history of the local church around there. And so what we really wanted to do, the reason that we wanted to go kind of on these field trips isn't so it's like a school field trip where it's like, here's your historical whatever. Uh, We wanted students to get a vision of what it looks like when awakening happens and that it happens like in a context. We talked so much about the, the importance of the local church being connected to this because awakening happens in a group of people in a specific place at a specific time. And so we wanted students to get a vision for that of what does it look like when this when God pours out his spirit on a group of people and they're awakened. And so when we were able to go to these places and hear the stories, uh, the idea is that students would begin to uh, take those stories into themselves and that it would stir up belief that God wants to do it again in their day mm-hmm. and that he wants to do it among um, among their friends and among, among their people. It was really interesting how much... Um, of how many of these movements were really impacted with emerging adults, like we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. And we, we really think that when students can can go to a place and hear the story, um, that something can shift inside of them and a longing to see God do it again. So good. Yeah, and I, 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 that's so helpful, Jess. And I remember, you know, being on site at a few places where it's unmistakable. This is not theoretical. Uh, this is not some sort of academic topic. 
right here, something happened that changed everything. It was also this experience of just seeing the implications of awakening kind of on the streets, streets the, mm-hmm. the outworking in, in justice, in social transformation, in the, in the change of dynamics and structures of, of, of the way that people shared their lives. And being able to watch that, I know hearing Pete Hughes talk about how they're watching the, the, the circles of awakening life moving out into their part of, of London and uh, these sorts of things. And I'm just wondering, Jess, if you could just say one more word about those generational effects, the downstream effects that we saw at Asbury and that you can talk about maybe from uh, the University of Georgia, just how we have seen awakening goes from one generation to the next. And the stories really tell us that. Sure, so when we were at uh, Hughes Auditorium on the campus of Asbury University, we had we heard some we saw a video and heard some testimonies of what it actually looked like so if you don't know the story it was basically just a regular chapel service which happens three times a week um but in the middle of the chapel service um the spirit of god fell with just conviction and people began to get up and to share um just confession and a desperation to be made pure and to follow jesus wholeheartedly and it turned into uh, seven days, seven days, mm-hmm. seven, seven days. days. The chapel service went for seven days and people day and night just stayed in the presence of God. He poured out his spirit. There was mm-hmm. confession over and it was just a holiness, a move of holiness, a desperation mm-hmm. to be more like Jesus. Um, and so there we had uh, people like Steve Siemens, who uh, is now uh, well retired <laughs> seminary professor from Asbury Seminary, but he was a college student at the time. And that move of God profoundly shaped his entire life and ministry. And then his life and ministry has profoundly shaped lots more people. And that's how it went. So when people would go and, and share the testimonies from Asbury, um, the same thing would happen in other places. And so we had a couple there with us who were missionaries. And they shared about how someone came from Asbury, shared about the move of God there. God poured out his spirit in their youth group. And then they said yes to a call to ministry, spent their lives in Africa, and uh, helped to get a whole network of church plants started. And so here we see Campus to the World. This move in this little tiny town in Kentucky poured out and has gone into, I mean, dozens and dozens of churches being planted around the world. Yeah, and I thought it was so powerful and profound that day sitting in Hughes, hearing Dr. Seaman share his story, having the, mm-hmm. the missionaries share their story, and then live video feed of uh, African pastor coming and sharing how he's now leading this mm-hmm. church plant movement that all had this, uh, the seeds of it came from this Asbury revival in mm-hmm. 1970. It's just amazing to see the impact global impact is having today. Mm-hmm. Um, I was impacted. I'm sure the students walked away um, with their imaginations and hearts mm-hmm. inflamed. That's really why it is a living history. It's yeah. not just past and over. It is mm-hmm. an, an unfolding history, mm-hmm. rippling going forward. And I think that's that's really inspiring and gives it a kind of earthy reality, you know. Mm-hmm. And then we also, just lastly, uh, how we went about it, while we, you know, are just still going about it, is just opportunities for just encountering God. Uh, just, per- yes, Jess. Can know. we come back and say just a little bit more about the University of Georgia? Oh, we didn't I'd love share for that you to. Story. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah, so um, I was a student at the University of Georgia, and I, I mean, the story of my life is that I am a person who is deeply impacted by one of these ripples of revival. So uh, a move of God and awakening began um, in the 90s at the University of Georgia at a campus ministry there, the Wesley Foundation. And at the time, Tom and Melissa Tanner were leading that ministry. And I actually came in as a freshman right after they left. And so this move of God had been going for years. And I came into, all I can say is it it was an amazing culture. The students loved the presence of God. They loved to pray. They loved to worship. Um, Very common. It was really, really common for students to go up and meet up together and pray all night in the prayer chapel or get up on the roof and pray all night over campus. And it was just a hunger for God that was, I mean, almost, you could almost just see it. And 
So I was sort of on the ripple effects of that because it started before I got there. And so I got to step into a culture mm. that was awakened and it awakened me. And then Tate Welling, who was with us for Awakening Project and helped us plan all this as well. Um, he was a student. He was a freshman then. And so Tate came to Awakening Project and he, Tate brought um, some students from where he is now at uh, Georgia College Wesley Foundation. And then some of his former students who have gone on to another campus came and brought students with them. So there we saw one, two, three, four generations of people who've been impacted by awakening and it's still flowing out. And that really is the nature of awakening. And that's what we wanted students to see that when God um, will awaken you, this is worth giving your life to because it goes so far beyond you. And if you can find awakened people uh, move your life toward theirs, try to find people that you can plant your life close to who are pursuing awakening, who are experiencing awakening, because um, the, the, the nature of a move of God is to just increase. One of my favorite little quotes that um, Tom Tanner always says is that the economy of the kingdom is to increase. And that's what we see in awakening, that it just, mm-hmm. um, so it has great. a sense of generality. It just flows out. It multiplies more than we can imagine. Mm. And I'll say just one other thing, and then I'll stop talking about it. Um, So the Wesley Foundation now, I mean, it's still experiencing a massive move of God all these years later. But the amazing thing is that, like, Tate and I are just like a dime a dozen. Like, there's like (laughs) hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, thousands really probably at this point, who have gone on and given their lives in ministry and are making impacts around the world. Um, For the first, um, I think it was the first six years they documented how many people said yes to vocational ministry when leaving the secular school campus ministry and they lost count at 400 and that was in the 90s Mm. and it has done nothing but grow since then so that the impact we'll never really know on this side Mm. and so that that's what we wanted students to have impact with so tom and melissa were with us all week and really we're sitting down with students and sharing life because we we want students to be able to understand that um this has happened in our day and uh, and God longs to do it again through just regular old college students on a campus. Yeah. Yeah, pursuing awakening is a way to live that outlives you. It's, yes. It just goes far beyond one life. That's beautiful. Um, and then, Austin, would you just round us out here and just saying a little bit about just our the value we place in all of this of just encountering God, just meeting with Him and... and and experiencing his presence. Yeah. Yeah, I love the way that Maddie shared about it earlier, just talking about personal moments of awakening. Like, yeah. you think about being asleep and, and then being awakened. You know, what do we talk about when we talk about Christian awakening? We're talking about being awakened to the reality of who Jesus is, his yeah. lordship, his love, his presence. You know, Maddie framed it around intimacy with the Trinity, as did Alan Hood. But really throughout those four days, people did encounter the presence of God, whether it was through living history or prayer and worship or some of the teaching mm-hmm. sessions. Um, there was a unique invitation during those four days to meet with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And when we come right down to the center of what do we want the experience for people to have, being a part of a waking project or being a part of our community uh, regionally, it is to be awakened to the love that God has for them. Yeah. And so there are so many moments where, where, we, where we prayed together, um, where people received things like prophetic words, um, where people you know just laid down and spread out their hands during worship or um, you know times where people you know laid hands on each other and just interceded you know, with all that they had in them. And these moments of encounter, really entering into the presence of God, is what made this week special. Yeah. What made those four days of the Awakening Project, um, that's that's what people remember. So some of my favorite words that were shared on the final night as people were talking about how they were impacted. We heard so, multiple students leave saying, you know, I'd always believed that God loved me with my head, but I never actually believed that I was lovable. I'd never received the love of God before. Mm-hmm. Um, or really felt it, just known it down in their depths. Felt it, known it. One student phrased it this way, that I'd always believed that the gospel was true for other people, hmm. but I didn't know the gospel was true for me. 
mm-hmm. um, before this week. Uh, we had other people say that, that I don't know how to put it other than leaving this week, now I know God. And so people had radical encounters with the love of Jesus. And uh, that is right at the core of an awakened life. And that's the experience that we hope that people have being a part of the Awakened Project. Yeah. And Austin, that's a perfect segue to our wrap-up here. We're just going to kind of close out. Thanks for listening. If you've made it this far and this here to the end, we really appreciate it and we look forward to more conversations. But let's just close this one today by, by just talking about what happened, mm-hmm. the takeaways. You know, what, what do we really look back on as being um, what, we, what, what God did and can do and what we are going to be just pursuing uh, out of this? Awakening Project was not four days in May. It's a hands-on, uh, all-out, uh, desperate heart cry of friendship toward a new work of the love of God in our moment, our cultural moment. So what, was the, what did we take from this, and what do we look forward to? Anybody? I'll share. I think one thing that um, has stuck with me for a long time is uh, Tom and Melissa, who Jess was talking about, pastors in Georgia now, they said to me, I asked for prayer one day, and this was my own personal encounter, but um, just was sharing and expressing just sort of the difficulties of a first year in church planting and just asking for prayer and consecration and anointing. And Tom said to me, I pray that you always have life looking for structure instead of structure looking for life. Mm. And that really is the impulse of awakening too. Mm. You know, awakening is birthed. It is life coming to be mm. and then structure comes around it because God is moving and people want to be where he's at, you know? And yeah. so I don't know, for me, it was, it was profound personally, but also looking forward into what is the future for emerging adults as awakening comes to me, it really is consecration, mm. um, Pete Hughes talked about um, in his session, he said, he talked from Joshua 3 saying, uh, consecrate yourself today because tomorrow I'm going to do great things. And just this idea, this has been my personal journey and I really believe what God's doing among emerging adults right now is consecration. You know, consecrate yourselves today. I see that in, um, there's a prayer gathering that started every night at 9 p.m. here in Lexington um, from people that were at the Awakening Project that were stirred towards prayer. And they're literally meeting nightly at 9 p.m. at the prayer room to pray. And it's, it's an act of consecration. Um, it's an act of emptying to be filled. And, and I really do believe it's this idea, um, this theology and practice that, that awakening is life. It is life coming to be. And I pray really that emerging adults would come to receive life, his life. And that through that, the structures, the organization, whatever it looks like as he empowers them into mission, which will be the structure that Mm. it would be coming from life and not from, unfortunately, the way we've done things in the past where we've just created systems and structures hoping that people will come and consume our content. But instead, awakening is is a birth. You know, it's Mm -hmm. it's a, a life coming to be so that then we can follow his life and create structure around it. So that's what I'm hoping and believing for, not just for myself, but for these students and for emerging adults all over the place who are consecrating themselves because tomorrow... God is going to do great things. Mm. So just that mm. profound hope and belief. Mm. So good. Jess, you want to say anything? Yeah, I think uh, just two brief things. One, I think by and large, a lot of people walked away with the idea of, wow, Jesus is even bigger and better than I thought, yeah. and he's more real. That's good. Um, we touched on that, just the uh, awaken to the reality of Jesus. I think the Lord really did that in our midst. I mean, he really helped us um, understand spirituality differently. It's not just a, some force from heaven that comes. It's living, breathing life in us but that we are not just meant to try to to try to live for Jesus, that Jesus would live through us. Mm. That, that's what we're invited into, just this idea of life. And um, and that's the nature of awakening, and, and it's just, just the generality. And I would say, again, my, my other point would be um, that awakening has a lot to do with life that begets life, that begets life, that begets life, um, mm. that people... Um, 
yeah, that awakening comes to us on the way to someone else. And hmm. I think that students really caught a bigger vision for that. Mm-hmm. And I caught a bigger vision for yeah, that. I mean, me it was, I was, it was really amazing to be in the room with so many of my spiritual heroes mm-hmm. and to have those heroes turn around and pour their lives out, um, into 20 year olds. It's amazing. And I really do believe that the emerging adults in the room left with the understanding that they could go and do the same thing in their context, on their campus, in their church, in their apartments, in their dorms, in their workplaces. And that was huge. Huge. So good. Yes. Mm -hmm. Austin, you got a final, final thought? Yeah. Like, much in the lines of what Maddie and Jessica just shared, but mm. I would just say I left thinking that the love of God for the Gen Z generation mm-hmm. is extravagant yeah. and that Jesus absolutely is pursuing this generation. And um, in that, I believe that awakening is coming to them. Mm. And the invitation is for the church to kind of come alongside and be a part of that. You know, believe that that Jesus is doing it. Just the students that I saw who so received and experienced such a profound love of God that I think the the love that has been poured out in their lives is going to compel them to a future of perseverance, of radical discipleship, of uncompromised faith. I mean, I just so see that in them. Mm-hmm. I so see that God is depositing just a seal an inheritance of the Holy Spirit in their lives in this stage, in their college years, that is going to carry them throughout their lives. So I do think so that, that Jesus is extravagantly pouring out his love on the Gen Z generation, and I'm excited to continue to partner with, with him in that and for others in the church you know, to, to come alongside and to partner with Jesus in the work that he's doing you know, in that generation. So good. And I would just probably only say and only add that I just wanted to, you know, I felt this thing of, with all these young leaders, sort of this thing of like, come on, man, just bring it. (laughs) Bring everything you've got. Bring your hard questions. Bring your frustrations with the disappointments you've got with my generation and what we've done with the church. Bring your your uh, pain, your anxiety, your depression, your, your losses, bring it and just bring it all to Jesus and let's bring it there together. And you know, you've got a whole new vision of church. Mm-hmm. You've got a whole new kind of, of tenacity and passion that is very unique to your generation. We treasure it and we want you to experiment with it and just go with God in it. And we the older generations, we're going to stand around and make sure that you don't to- go totally off the rails. We're not going to suppress anything, but we're going to be there to love you and, and to support you as you carry on. That's what we're here for, but we really want you to bring it. And I feel like Awakening Project is a huge call mm-hmm. to emerging leaders to bring themselves fully consecrated and all in to everything God is creating you to be. So we're excited about it. We're so glad that you've listened to this, and we look forward to a lot more conversations, both in podcast and hopefully in person at different points along the way. So thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Project podcast. We're an ever-growing community of people excited about the next move of God in our generation. If you have any friends who fit this description, feel free to pass along the conversation to them. We would love to invite them into this community. Thanks so much, and see you next time.